Well, the crop report from USDA to start the week had enough bullish news in it to drive the grain market strongly to the upside. And that carried over into Tuesday, albeit uh, kind of slow, comparatively speaking, to just after the report. But then things started going sideways, and we got the news about the impending rail strike, rumors of another rise in interest rates by the Fed, and the U.S. dollar started gaining strength, which added fuel to a lackluster export sales report. Boy, I tell you, it went south in a hurry this week. All of that was more than enough to dampen the spirits of traders. We'll talk about all of it and walk through it piece by piece with Coley and Kavanaugh coming up straight ahead. Guys, are brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau, and the Farm Bureau right now is is really just knee deep in the farm bill. So, you know, the farm bill is a really big deal for the Farm Bureau. It's also a big deal to have a Farm Bureau membership and that starts right here in your own county. Find out how to become a member. Pretty simple. I mean, all you need to do for a membership is go online to it pays to be a member.org. Well, listen, guys, let's start out where it started this week with that USDA crop report that came out. John, after the report came out, the market reacted pretty much on cue. But after that, you guys got a chance to dig a little bit deeper, peeling back the layers of that onion. What did you guys find when it comes to corn? Well, this got very little attention, but the USDA reduced the planted corn acres by 1.2 million, and they reduced the harvested acres by 1 million. And, you know, that was kind of glossed over. Not much talk about that. And that, of course, is due to uh, prevent planting. They got the more accurate numbers, and we lost a million acres of corn. Of course, the big news, they reduced the yield by 2.9 bushels down to 172.5. That was lower than expected, and that certainly is a very bullish number. However, it looks to me like the demand picture, they adjusted almost all the demand numbers downward so that it would fit <laughs> was because the year-ending carryover projected for 2223 at 1.219 billion bushels essentially you are out of corn your pipeline supplies are reached at about 1.2 billion bushels and holy cow they've already got it down there and to make that fit, they cut demand back, total usage of corn by 250 million bushels from just a month ago. How do you justify one month reducing demand by 250 million bushels? And that came from virtually all sectors. They reduced ethanol usage. They reduced exports by 100 million from their estimate a month ago, 200 wow. million. And I guess I'm going to question those numbers. I know what they're saying. They're saying that we're getting into a very tight situation. That means high prices, and that's going to discourage demand so that we don't run out of corn. However, However, uh, that just illustrates how tight the situation is in corn for this coming year. We have no room for error. And so, therefore, that's going to keep prices uh, well supported at some historically high values, probably for the next year and a half at least. Yeah, but how does it affect the farmer's pocketbook? Well, these numbers are absolutely jumping off my page. I know they reduced the demand. Well, they had to, like John said, because they looked at less acreage, they looked at less yields. So, the production number is actually below 14 billion at 13,944. But what really jumps off the page for me, and as everybody knows, I watch the national value of corn very, very closely. And if I look at the supply and demand ratio, it's 8.54. Now, that's one of the tightest supply and demand ratios we've seen for a long, long time at this point. And I feel this does support the 675 average price for corn. So what is it worth nationally? It's $94 billion. Now, last year was 89. The year before that was $64 billion. These are awfully, awfully big numbers because nominally for corn, I've counted oh, every year up to year. It's somewhere between 50 billion and 54 billion. So this means that you've got a 40 billion excess right now built into the national average. So 
where I'm coming from is this is a gift. And it's something I think that we're blessed with at this point, especially since our crops look pretty decent, better than the Western Corn Belt. We've got the best of two things. We've got a bigger crop and higher prices. Now it's flipped. Remember how many years they had the good crops out West and we had the bad ones here. Now we finally got it. So area farmers, gloat over this because you've got a very good situation. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when we get here into fall and we've got these 84, 85 degree days and a little bit cooler nights and every now and then we get a little sprinkle of rain. So guys looking for a little bit more pod fill on the beans and the rains that we've gotten here recently, roughly about an inch for a lot of people around the region have just been absolutely perfect. John, let's move over to soybeans because, uh, you know, when you went to the harvested acres numbers and cutting a million on corn is pretty staggering when you take that 172.5 bushel per average and multiply it by, by a million acres. That's a bunch. And when you look at the soybeans again, you know, another acreage cut, harvested acreage expected to go down by 600,000 acres. So another pretty staggering number. Oh, yes, exactly right. And then the big shocker, the biggest shock of the entire report was that the USDA came out with a reduction of 1.4 bushels per acre versus a month ago at 50.5. And the market was looking for no decline, 50.5 being the USDA average. That just shocked the pants off the market. And the government did the same thing with bean demand. They cut almost all the demand numbers for soybeans. They cut the exports back from a month ago, cut crush back. They cut everything back in order to make it fit. Because the ending carryover was projected at uh, only 200 million bushels, and that's very tight on soybeans. It's, again, pipeline supplies on soybeans are considered to be around 120 million bushels, and we've got a projected number of 200 million bushels. Once again, there is no room for air, and the market's going to be watching that South American crop very closely again. It's going to be very crucial. They expect a big increase in uh, both Argentina and Brazil, particularly Brazil. But what if La Nina and its problems continue in South America and reduce the crop there next year, holy cow, this thing becomes very explosive. Yeah, David, you and I were talking about La Nina and how it is affecting that whole Argentine situation. Uh, they just decided they're not even going to plant corn here for a while. It's a doggone dry. I know you watch that on a regular basis. Does it look like they're going to get any relief in the future here? Yes, there is a chance for very small light showers this weekend. But after that, no rain whatsoever. And this is the worst drought in over 30 years in Argentina. It's because of La Nina, like we've been talking about. Plus, the main growing area of Brazil has been seeing some nominal rains. It's not as dry as it was last year, but the nose of, of Brazil, Bahia, and some of the other places there where they also grow soybeans are very dry, but they're not the main producer of soybeans. So keep that in mind. The big watch point for me right now is Argentina and then lesser for Brazil. They may have a better crop than some people expect. You know, David, you and I both reported on this this week, and that was that the dollar started gaining strength and that just added to that lackluster export sales report. But you and I were getting a big kick out of it this week. This USDA, you know, comes out with this new reporting method and it just crashed and burned right out of the box. And you made the comment this week, and I just I had to chuckle when you said it. And that was, why didn't we keep the old one? You know, we could have used that when this thing crashed and burned. You know, uh, don't just go ahead and throw that in the trash, you know, until we know the new one's going to work. So there was a lot of skepticism when the export uh, sales numbers came out this week, you know, with USDA saying, no, 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 we fixed it. It's good. Yeah, it's, well, it's fixed good. The numbers aren't very good. You know, I remember Ronald Reagan's quote so well. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? 
It's somebody from the government showing up and says, I'm here to help you. And the export sales, yeah, the bean export sales weren't too bad at 843, corn export sales at 583, but still it's low this time of the year anyway, because everybody else is busy getting ready for harvest. So that's a seasonal thing. But what I did like, though, is they caught up the meat export sales. And for the last week, there was some good news. China was again buyer of pork. Now, I keep going over in my mind about why does China keep buying pork when they have a surplus of pork? The pork because it's so good. The taste better than the pork they have with that. So they've got a pretty good taste for it. Plus, they've also been a big buyer of beef. Well, they did the last week. Korea, Japan, and Mexico bought a bunch of it. But for me, I like the demand we're seeing for the meats at this point. And I think it bodes well for the future, especially since we're heading into October, the National Pork Month. And we've seen the beef market dropping ahead of that. So that's sort of taking things away. But the cash cattle market was up this week. So good news there. Yeah. Well, as we end up here, one of the uh, notes that I had that we're going to keep an eye on, but USDA assume high prices are going to ration ethanol use by about 15 million bushels. And uh, this goes back to the thing, John, and it just cracks me up, John, when you talk about how they fuss with the numbers and just kind of move them around to try and, you know, support their narrative. <laughs> ah, USDA, they are fun to deal with. But here we are at the tail end. That means that John Kavanaugh is going to have the last word and we just, you know, stopped arguing with him about it. Just now, now we just give it to him. All right, here we go. We've come up uh, with a lot of bullish information and bullish on prices, and I see no reason to change the attitude on that. But I have to ask the question, are we topping out right now, at least temporarily? I mean, not for good, but temporarily, because there's some signs of it. We had the report come out on Monday. It was very bullish, especially for soybeans, and prices took off. Beans went up went to as much as 80 cents a bushel or something like that. But by the time we got to the end of the week, that most of that gain was gone. And, you know, and it dropped down to only being up a total of 30 cents for the week when it had been up in one day as much as 80 cents. So it couldn't hold those gains at all. Corn actually finished lower. Corn rallied. But by Friday, corn finished down about 10 cents a bushel for the week. And wheat was down from the from the previous week uh, by 30 cents a bushel. Huh? You know, uh, despite some bullish news, the market couldn't hold those gains. So there's an indication there that maybe we are at least topping out. And the export sales report, which you mentioned, was bearish. Is that an indication that high prices are starting to ration demand? And maybe, but you have there's a little bit of a red flag out there on that. And one other thing, too, when it comes to soybeans, you know, China in the last couple of weeks has bought somewhere between 100 and 130 million bushels of soybeans out of Argentina for September, October shipment. And what that means is, is they're buying so much out of Argentina that's going to reduce demand out of the U.S. There's another indication that maybe we're seeing a temporary top. Cody and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And, you know, Indiana Farm Bureau President Randy Crone has talked a lot about the Farm Bureau's lobbying efforts for farm families on the state as well as the national level. So the Farm Bill is a big deal for the Farm Bureau, and so is a Farm Bureau membership, because it starts right here in your own home county. My membership is through the Allen County Farm Bureau. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.